Woo! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, here for another Wednesday Q&A. Of course, the date is, well, it's not of course. Well, how would you know unless, well, whatever. The date is May 24th, 2017. Oh boy, almost done with the month of May. And if I had, I hell, I had like a birthday week. <laughs> it was amazing from like May, even before May 12th. I don't know how long it went. It, it seemed to go on for, for quite some time, which was really great. Uh, but anyway, thank you again all for uh, for the birthday wishes. They've continued to come in and I'm uh, really honored by that. Uh, welcome to all the new patrons. Got some new patrons in this week already. Uh, and I got to tell you, I'm going to be doing a, um, we do have, I still owe, the patrons two hangouts this week. Keep your eyes peeled, uh, you know, for either however you get Patreon announcements. If you go to the website, if you have the app, if you just get them via email, keep your eyes out for when that's going to happen because we're going to do two probably within the next week. Uh, so they're going to happen fast, bang, bang, bang. I'm, I'm in fact, I'm about a hundred percent confident one of them is going to be this Sunday. Uh, so keep that in mind. But anyway. And of course, those are always available after the fact, you know, all the hangout Q and A's, those, those are live, but they're available after the fact, uh, in the audio version on, uh, you know, on the Patreon feed. So, all right. Uh, we've got a few questions to get into, but before I actually get into the questions, I guess I want to start off with some corrections because, uh, last week had a, a fairly popular Q and A episode. Uh, which had a lot to do with blockchain technology. I got a few more questions about very about, I got a question about Zcash and some others um, that I'm probably going to hold off on for at least to not make this like the Bitcoin show every week or the blockchain show every week. Uh, but regardless, um, just a couple corrections to make uh, Mysterium and Poloniex on both of those subjects. One is, is that I made the claim with Mysterium, which is this uh, supposed uh, VP, you know, like decentralized, uh, VPN. Now the claim that I made was that the, on the website, or I more particularly, I said on, in the white paper that the terms peer to peer were not there. Now on the FAQ, on the fact of the website, it does, the word peer to peer does show up, um, at least twice, I think. But the interesting thing is, is that, and, and I got a correction actually from, uh, well, from a guy that, that, has <laughs> the honor of kind of correcting me twice now. Uh, that being Roger Paxton of um, Resist the Empire podcast, who is a sponsor of Sovereign Tech, as well as the guy that that does the Lava Flow podcast, which um, I've seen some other patrons on social media. You know, it's it's interesting that Lava Flow and Sovereign Tech, I mean, really, like like it's on a lot of people's lists. I'm, you know, it's it's nice to be uh, uh, in cahoots. <laughs> Not really in cahoots, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know, in, in the... In the tall cotton, shall we say, with the Lava Flow podcast, which is really nice. Um, but regardless, anyway, uh, he let me know that actually it does appear there, and it, and he's right. It does it does appear in the white paper, I think twice, and it is it is in the FAQ on their website for Mysterium. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is what is when it occurs, it appears. I don't want to say with certainty, it appears to say peer to peer based, not just peer to peer. So I'm still a little. I'm still wondering, you know, and, and a lot of my other critiques of Mysterium, uh, you know, I, I think still hold up uh, regardless of, you know, how genuinely peer to peer it is. So but anyway, but I do want to, you know, stand corrected. And I appreciate Roger, you know, letting me know, because I mean, shit, <laughs> you, this is not stuff you want to get wrong, you know, when it comes to tech, which is a lot of the times why it takes a while you know, to really put together, it's, it's a lot of the time I spent putting together a sovereign tech episode is making sure that what I'm saying is 100% on, 
you know, I, I flub here and there, but anyway, uh, the other one had, and this is from another patron that let me know, uh, was about Poloniex. Cause I think I was talking about how to exchange. Now my number one way that I recommend exchanging altcoins or bitcoins, altcoins, whatever, how, you know, whatever direction you're going is to just use shapeshift, uh, shapeshift.io. Uh, and, but somebody did ask about Poloniex and I had recommended Poloniex. Now I had not experienced some of the issues that were brought to my attention and I'm glad that they were brought to my attention. I rarely use Poloniex admittedly. Um, but anyway, what was brought to my attention was, in fact, I'll, I'll read it here. This is from a, a social media post, uh, from, uh, a fellow patron, just a great guy, actually. Uh, I recently heard you say Poloniex was an okay place to acquire cryptocurrencies. Just posting this here so you and hopefully other Sovereign Tech patrons think twice before using that exchange. I've moved to Bittrex uh, myself that I can myself that I can tell you from personal experience that uh, Poloniex is doing a terrible job, intentionally or not. I've had limit orders not go through, uh, been unable to cancel orders, not to mention the entire site going down on several occasions the past few weeks. I assume you had come across this info, but then when I heard you give it the okay on the listener Q&A, I felt compelled to share this. Take it how you will. So, uh, and it, there's a link to an article, and I'll put the link to the for this article in the uh, appendix of the show notes for this Q&A episode. Um, because, well, here, I'll, I'll read my response just saying, I'll tell you what the article was in a second, but I said, appreciate this. Honestly, it's tough to find a really good exchange anywhere. I think that's why Shapeshift is so popular and largely my first choice. Uh, then the person responded, cool. I feel there's a lot of shit talking in this space and it's hard to know what's legit news and what isn't. All I know is that I've had several experiences uh, of that site not performing the basic tasks it is purported to do. Not to say I haven't legitimately acquired plenty of cryptocurrency there, meaning Poloniex, but it's uh, really gone too far as of late, especially considering people's livelihoods are on the line. So just a fair warning to you and others, always be maximally careful in the world of cryptocurrency. Absolutely. I totally agree with that sentiment. Um, so the point that, or the, the uh, I don't know that it's even theory. I, I might be fact uh, that this article from Cointelegraph that it brings up is that there have been interesting moments where both uh, Kraken, not just Poloniex, but also Kraken uh, have been uh, DDoSed. Okay, they, they've undergone DDoS attacks. But during that DDoS attack, it appears that there's some kind of like uh, advantage being taken of perhaps even insider trading uh, happening there. So articles in the show notes for you to check out. Um, certainly, like I said, you want to go with, you know, my first choice is shapeshift.io um, and not, uh, you know, Rock and Poloniex because I know there's, you know, there's issues with that. Poloniex was just the only one that, I don't know. I don't keep a whole ton of track of a lot of these exchanges. I, I really don't. Like I said, honestly, I do use Shapeshift, but even then, I mean, I'm still more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of guy. So regardless, uh, the, you know, there, there you go. So that that's, that's out there. And I appreciate the, uh, the patron sharing their experience. It's really, really important. And, you know, I don't see everything, especially with the cryptocurrency space. I mean, like I, you know, as late largely, you know, minus two or three different cryptos. Like I am, you know, well, I'm, I'm laser focused on those, you know, two, three cryptos. So, you know, if you have news about something that you find interesting, uh, especially as far as patron goes, like I talked about last week, I'm not, you know, every little, every little crypto that comes out, every little blockchain technology that comes out, most of them, I, well, I'm, I'm not going to really talk about them much on sovereign tech. I don't want to give them, uh, you know, any, I don't want to give them any free marketing. You know, I'll do it with the patrons because it's a smaller audience and it's not something that can so easily be shared around uh, to where it looks like I'm endorsing something when I wouldn't. Uh, so, yeah, I like to keep that here. And if you find out something, you know, well, hey, 
let me know about it. You, you know, if, if you think for some reason I missed it, or if it's, if you want something, you want my take on, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it here. It's just on, on the sovereign tech prime episodes. I want to be very, very careful what I talk about. I mean, when I talk about Facebook or Google or whatever, I mean, they don't, there's no, I mean, there's no marketing to be done. Like every fight, you know, the, the, these things have become verbs or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, integrate full integrations of people's lives. It's not like me talking about them gives them any free marketing. It doesn't, they can't get any more marketing than they have. Uh, so I just want to, you know, I think it's really important, especially in the tech world to be like hyper conscious of that because there's a lot of swarmy people in, in this fucking industry. Uh, I mean, in any industry, I suppose, but the tech world partic is particularly egregious. Um, like I can only imagine, in fact, I have uh, some people there that are going to be sending me uh, quote unquote reports, uh, from like consent census, you know, which is, uh, kind of the, the premier blockchain event, it seems these days. Uh, and I, I mean, I can just, I can't even begin to imagine the amount of scumbags walking around, you know, walking around in that place. I mean, I had a couple of people, you know, message me saying, Hey, you're going to be there. Love to catch up the and everything. I'm like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> you know, first off, I'm not going to pay that ticket price and they're not going to give me the respect because they know I'm going to call bullshit on their products, uh, you know, to even like be invited there. But, uh, oh man, I like, I, I mean, there's some good people there too. I know like Paige Peterson's there, you know, Zcash and everything. That's great. I know some other people that are there, you know, I'm not saying it's all scumbags. I'm just saying, let's be clear here that a lot of that floor is a lot of, you know, just a bunch of shit fucks. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, and I, I already, you know, Am I afraid of somebody finding out? Am I only talking that tough on, you know, on a Patreon episode? No, I, I would say that openly that I think it's a bunch of shit fucks walking around there. So th that's, that's fine. That's why I don't get invited. All right. Um, let's, uh, so we got that out of the way, you know, something, somebody who, in my opinion, is not a shit fuck, at least to the best of my knowledge. Um, you know, it was really, it was yesterday, actually, that would have been May 23rd. Maybe it was actually May 22nd, depending what part of the world he was in that he died. Um, but Roger Moore died. Uh, I want to talk about that for a second. Not necessarily a death that like hit me. Like when Carrie Fisher died, that hit that, that still hit me. In fact, boy, Vanity Fair released a lot of those pictures for the last Jedi. Uh, some of those, I mean, yep. Got the feels. I, I really did. You know, I mean, just, whew. um, especially a picture of Mark Hamill, uh, uh, hugging Carrie Fisher hot. I mean, geez, what, you know, what do you do when you see that? But Anyway, um, you know, this isn't a death that like, like Carrie Fisher hit me or like Richard Hatch hit me. Um, I might dedicate this week's Sovereign Tech Prime episode to Roger Moore. Uh, but this is one that, you know, Roger Moore was certainly, you know, in, in my mind, I mean, a, a seminal figure and a figure that was a very inspirational, you know, I mean, it's like for a lot of people, I'm sure they just kind of been, you know, I think a lot of people probably said, wait, he's still alive, you know, um, so I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this, but I do just want to, you know, take a moment and say, yeah, you know, especially for Sovereign Tech. I mean, look, Sovereign Tech at the very least wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for Roger Moore. And I mean that dead serious, you know, and, and totally literally uh, because the character of Agent Sovereign is so much based off of, you know, like James Bond. Right. And for me, and I know most people don't agree with this, but fortunately I saw quite a few people. In fact, some people of, of some, uh, of, of, you know, perhaps a little bit of a higher celebrity status than mine, which mine is very low, uh, like, uh, Robert Burnett and some others, you know, saying, no, he, he was the best bond like straight up. And, and there's some other, you know, I even saw some, uh, some articles out there, uh, online that said, yeah, no, really, you can make the case that he was the best bond of the bunch. Um, I mean, is he cheesy? 
Is he, you know, was he over the top and all this stuff? Yeah. But then, you know, everybody's different. People have different tastes. Some of us, that's what we want. Like that's, that's what we liked about him. Um, in fact, I totally agreed with Robert Meyer Burnett's, uh, assessment. And, and I feel the exact same way, which is that, you know, after Captain Kirk, James Bond was, was the man, you know, like, like that, that was, that was the hero. Uh, for me, it was exactly the same way growing up. Um, in fact, I remember, you know, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this and we've got questions to get into. We got some great ones talking about the, uh, uh, torrents, um, and some other things. But, uh, in, in fact, we might get into a philosophical one about public property, but anyway, you know, I remember saying, I think this is when Goldeneye was going to come out and Elizabeth Hurley, if you remember Elizabeth Hurley, uh, not that she's dead or anything, but you know, she was, uh, the femme fatale, the British femme fatale of the nineties and maybe the aughts when she did was that, was that, uh, bedeviled or something or bedazzled, maybe it was bedazzled where she played Satan. That was fantastic. Uh, anyway, she, she hosted and, and how she never became a bond girl. I don't know, but that's regardless. Uh, I like to chalk her up as one because she did, she did, she uh, hosted this whole documentary, um, when golden eye was coming out because golden eye was going to be the, such a huge deal, kind of this revitalizing of the James Bond franchise and, you know, and, and all of this. Um, and you know, like when I was watching it and I recorded this, you know, this documentary because it was a great way to learn like so much about, uh, I mean, I was just a teenager, but it was a great way to learn about bond, you know, at the time and like to really get the history in real quick. Um, and I remember turning to my mother and saying, you know, how excited I was to watch this because we only had like a couple TVs in the house, you know, now every room has a TV, right. Or everybody has a smartphone, whatever. But anyway, so I, I had to kind of, you know, schedule this TV time to record it and blah, blah, blah. And so I remember turning to her and just saying, it's like, oh yeah, I, I like James Bond more than I like Star Trek. Now she looked at me and she said, you know, and it's one of the moments where I think she actually understood me as a child or, you know, teenager, of course, at the time. But she said, no, Brian, you don't like anything more than Star Trek. And she was right <laughs> in that one sense. In that one case, she was right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's, but that's how important James Bond was to me is that I was willing to make such a, you know, ludicrous statement, but it's not that ludicrous, like I said. So, you know, James Bond is a huge deal. Uh, and I base... I totally base the character of agent sovereign in all of the little sovereign universe fictional episodes. I totally base that off of, um, you know, off, off of Roger Moore's particularly Roger Moore's James Bond, who was, you know, cheesy in delivery of the lines, ridiculous, kind of over the top, um, you know, very punny. And I didn't say funny. I meant punny. Um, I mean, all the way. And I, you know, my favorite, I've said this before. Um, I don't know if I ever said it on, I said it on social media. I don't know if I ever said it on a sovereign tech episode, uh, but my favorite, you know, uh, uh, James Bond movie is actually, uh, the spy who loved me. I mean, awesome, awesome movie. If somebody said the man with the golden gun, I totally get it. That is, that is a quintessential bond film, but I think the spy who loved me is, uh, is just is phenomenal. But I mean, really, I think every Roger Moore Bond movie is, is fantastic. I mean, live and let die octopusy, you know, I mean, even a view to a kill, like I liked a view to a kill because, you know, in that he really, I felt, I felt like Roger Moore, like proved you could be this older guy, you know, and still be incredibly sexy and still pull off James Bond. And he did. Um, and, and I, you know, I know that that kind of colored because I guess maybe not everybody feels the same way I did about it, but I know it colored the perception of Pierce Brosnan after the fact, you know, um, because when it got to like die another day, they didn't want Pierce Brosnan to, to stay on. They, they was, they thought he was getting too old. Um, I disagree with that. Pierce Brosnan, you know, 
so okay now if, if you're curious I'll, I'll give you a bond ranking okay of my favorite bonds we're going to get into tech questions don't worry uh definitely at the top is roger moore my number two is pierce brosnan uh for a, before pierce my number two and granted yes i was a teenager i was young um i really really liked uh timothy dalton for a bunch of reasons i mean i liked his role in flash gordon as well but uh but i i thought he kind of pulled off like a really really deadly fucking serious you know james bond more so than sean connery could even really do uh but i you know and yeah, you're, you might think I'm crazy and you can disagree with me, but that's fine. But I can explain why, you know, I have actual reasons <laughs> why these people are our top dog. Um, but I put Roger Moore right at the top because every, 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 you know, every kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for stereotype that, that gets created for spy movies and that cr gets created for James Bond is based off of Roger Moore's portrayal. Like it, it just is. And I like the more serious bond too. Don't, you know, don't confuse me, but you know, all those, all the jokes and everything about the, about the franchise and whatever all come off of that, but it's because, you know, people really identify with it and, and it sticks with them. So I, you know, I think well, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Well, nobody's been imitated more as bond than Roger Moore, like, or at least the attempts. So, or the sincerest form of flattery. Right. So I, I think it goes to show and just people don't want to admit it, you know, that they don't, that, you know, they don't want to admit they like the happy go lucky, you know, over the top, you know, have sex everywhere, you know, kind of James Bond. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Roger Moore, I think is at the top. Pierce Brosnan is number two. Let me explain why Pierce Brosnan. Now, a lot of people don't know this. Pierce Brosnan is an Irishman. He is, I mean, he has a full on, you know, Irish accent, the whole thing. That guy is fucking tough as nails. I mean, in real life, he is rugged. He is fucking tough. He is down to earth. I mean, you know, you wouldn't expect it because you look at him as James Bond, you know, and he's just, you know, like you'd expect him to be this uppity, high class kind of guy. Absolutely not. The dude lives in Malibu on a, like a fucking boat. I mean, <laughs> he's not, not that I care for these kind of conventionalisms, but if we're going to, you know, to speak conventionally and you'll pardon me for a moment. Okay. He is a man's man. Like, I mean, he is just rugged, tough as nails. I mean, he is the, you know, just, just this badass Irish guy. You know, and, and most people don't expect that out of Pierce Brosnan, but that that's who he is. I mean, he's in many ways, other than the toughness, he's the antithesis of what you see as James Bond. Um, but because of that, you know, he I, he brings a reality to the character that he is just he is just that tough. And, and I think it unconsciously shows. Um, but then he also has that incredible ability. And maybe it's because of an Irishman, you know, uh, poking jabs at a Brit, you know, playing, playing James Bond, but because he can do that, I don't know. It just, it just comes off right. Like, like he can take it to that next level. Um, so I, I love, I, I think Pierce Brosnan's fantastic. I, and he's, you know, I, I get it. Daniel Craig's great, but I think Pierce Brosnan was, was totally legit. Uh, just like, I mean, you know, I, maybe more so than even Sean Connery. Now, Sean Connery certainly in his day was a tough guy as well. I mean, he, you know, he was a, a Scottish truck driver. I mean, certainly, you know, that doesn't make for, for a weak human being. Um, and, and that brings across a certain reality to a character like James Bond, who's, you know, doing what he does. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I think Pierce Brosnan's fantastic. In fact, my, you know, my number one film is spy who loved me. My number two film, uh, is the world is not enough. I, that for me was the perfect mixture of Pierce Brosnan's a little more serious, a little tougher, you know, James Bond, but with kind of the storyline and, and sort of the, the bravado and attitude and panache that Roger Moore would deliver. Um, so I, I love the world is not enough. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Moonraker. 
you, you can't talk about Roger Moore without talking about Moonraker. I think that that, that, that movie's phenomenal. Um, I might even put that at like in my number three, uh, for the zero G sex scene alone. I think that movie was totally worth it. And only Roger Moore could pull that off, you know? So, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, Roger Moore was the, was the bond in the eighties when I was growing up, you know? So to some degree you could say, well, that's who I grew up with. So, so that's who I care about, or, you know, that's who I'm used to as bond. And so that's why I put him in number one. Yeah. But you gotta understand like seeing Roger Moore do his thing, even for me at a, at a young age now understand, like I didn't watch these, you know, James Bond movies as they came out. I didn't, you know, see them until the nineties. And, you know, really when I became a teenager was more when I got into, you know, into James Bond, um, like seeing, you know, seeing Roger Moore do what he did on, on screen. It really, in my opinion, like, or not in my opinion to me, I know looking back and doing self-analysis, like I can see he really gave me permission. Just his actions said it was okay for me to be into awesome cars, wild gadgetry, beautiful women, have sex, the whole thing. It was, it was like, you know, watching Roger Moore, you know, pull off James Bond was a permission slip for the, for the high life, you know? And, and that's, that's really something. And so again, I, all right, I don't want to spend any more time on that, but I, I just want to say that like, yeah, there would be no, so, at least Sovereign as it, as it is, would not exist if it weren't out for Roger Moore, because his portrayal of Bond was just so inspirational. I mean, and, and he, you know, he's done a lot of other great stuff. Like one of my favorite Van Damme movies, uh, the quest that, uh, he was in that and, and he, he really put that over the top. Uh, he was, he was awesome. He, he was so awesome. So died of cancer at 89. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, when somebody brings that much like joy to your life, like he brought a ton, he still brings a ton of joy to my life. Um, you know, you don't want him to die. Like you want him to, to, to reap the benefits. Like, you know, I, I want him to live forever as a thank you, you know, thank you for, for making my life so enjoyable and for inspiring me in so many wonderful, uh, ways that, that have brought, you know, endless pleasure to my life. Uh, and he really has. So anyway, yeah, there, there you go. I can, <laughs> I can talk about bond or, or I, I, okay. I did say that I'd give you a bond ranking. So I put Roger Moore at the top, Pierce Brosnan, number two, uh, I'd probably give Sean Connery number three and then Daniel Craig number four. Um, you know, if, if you want to, I'll, I'll give Dalton, you know, number five and then, you know, John Lazenby, I guess would be at the bottom. Um, I know there have been other bonds like the original casino Royale and all that shit. I I'm well aware. Uh, and I look, I still read the books. I mean, like I read all of the new books that come out of it. I've read John Gardner's stuff. I mean, like I, I read everything. I'm a huge James Bond fan. So I like all the different facets, potential facets of the character. There's even, you know, there's been books in the past, uh, five, six years where it's almost a reboot in, you know, novelization, um, where, you know, it's like a younger James Bond and it's kind of a post nine 11 James Bond. Uh, I mean, which kind of Daniel Craig is too, but you know, then there's, there's other books that take place in the, you know, books that have just come out in the past couple of years that take place in the fifties, you know, where Bond originally existed, uh, as a literary character and they're based off of like, you know, Ian Fleming's notes and all that stuff. I mean, I read those too. So I, you know, I'm all about like the, the book solo. That was fantastic. Uh, you know, I'm all about it. Don't, don't think that somehow I have just this one depiction of Bond that I like. No, I like them all. You know, I, I, I really do. So, yeah, so, so there's my breakdown. I really, Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, they're, they're easily sitting at the top and Pierce Brosnan too. You know, here's another thing that 
for me, that speaks well of Pierce Brosnan and also adds to his particular flavor of the character is you had the kind of the, the trilogy of games for like PlayStation 2 and they had them for PC and everything. Uh, there was Agent, Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, and oh, what was Money Is Not or not Money Is Not Enough. It's not The World Is Not Enough. I forget the name of the third game, but it, it had uh, Jamie Presley in it. I remember. And those games were awesome, especially Nightfire. Nightfire was fucking great. Uh, I mean, they, you know, th- those games took Pierce Brosnan's delivery and they actually got him to do the voice acting. And it was cool too, because they would actually bring in real live actresses, you know, and use their likeness, um, to, uh, you know, be a Bond girl. Like, so Jamie Presley got to be a Bond girl, right? Or, you know, and whoever else they were able to bring in, uh, which I thought was really cool. But, you know, those games even more so, you know, brought back kind of the Roger Moore, James Bond, where, you know, you have cars that are submarines, you know, kind of like the uh, the Lotus Esprit, right? Was it that was in uh, Spy Love Me, whatever. So, you know, that all that stuff's really cool. So Brosnan has that going for him too. Is he had, in my opinion, he had a great uh, career in James Bond video games, say nothing of Goldeneye. Holy fuck, right? So, <laughs> uh, but the original stories that, that existed for the video games are great too. Uh, some of my, you know, that trilogy is, I think it's Everything or Nothing. I think that was the name of the one with Jamie Presley. But, uh, you know, those those games stand very, very tall, uh, you know, in in my, uh, my video game, um, <laughs> you know, uh, history, uh, shall we say. So anyway, um, okay, let's move on to some other stuff here. Cause we're like 25 minutes in. I don't want to spend, you know, really as per usual, I don't like to spend over an hour on this, even though somehow it always seems to happen. Um, let's get to the question. Had a question about, uh, Hey Brian, I don't get a chance to listen to all your Patreon content. There's a lot of it rock on. Uh, so maybe you already answered this question. So I want to stop right there for a second. Um, I don't, ex- I hope like there, there isn't some kind of expectation that I expect everybody to listen to every episode of the Patreon content because yeah, I'm coming out with a lot, you know, in a very short period of time, I already have a, you know, a massive library, uh, for, you know, for Patreon episodes. So yeah, it's okay. I don't, I don't expect everybody to listen. And if you ask me a question that I already addressed or something it, like, it's fine. It's, it's good to recover ground for one, you know, every once in a while, even if it's every couple two, three months or something like that's, that's a good thing to do, especially with the, you know, the rate at say, which new hardware comes out. I mean, you gotta, you know, refresh the question, like what's the greatest PC to buy right now? Yeah. I think that that has to be recovered every couple months, you know, or every three or four months or whatever. Uh, so you know, don't worry about it. Like that's, that's totally cool. I'm just glad people are patrons. I'm so honored by that. Uh, and that you enjoy the content that comes out. Uh, but anyway, so all of my favorite, here's, here's the question. All my favorite uh, torrent sites keep ending up getting shut down. Everything that is left that I'm currently aware of is subpar at best. Maybe I'm just not plugged in anymore, but it seems to me torrenting is really taking a hit recently. Uh, I've never put the effort into Usenet, but I would consider it if it was worth it. These days, I often have a hard time finding the content I am looking for. If it's not somewhat current, it seems it's even harder. I would love to know what you recommend these days. Thanks in advance. So, yeah, no, great, great question. And this is, again, another one of these things. This shit's got to get covered. Um, you, you know, we, we, we got to over time. I mean, as things happen, we got to go back over it. So last week, and I talked about this on, um, I believe, on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode, um, ExtraTorrent.cc got shut down. Now, this was... After what happened with Kickass Torrents, which is kind of back, um, you know, this was the premier 
torrent site. Like this is where the millions and millions would go, you know, to, to do their thing. And it was a really good site. I mean, it was very, you know, it reminded me very much of the classic mini Nova where it had the nice kind of breakdown of what's the most popular at the moment. And, you know, and all of this in, in different categories, uh, it was a really, really great site. We're, st I'm still not anyway, a hundred percent certain what happened there. Like, I mean, there was the DDoS attack that was happening the weekend, you know, just a couple of days before they, they fully shut down. It does that have to do with it. I, I just don't know. Um, I have some attachments in the, you know, in, in the more, um, getting shit done aspects of the torrent community. Shall I put it that way? Um, and they haven't told me what's going on. Like, you know, usually these people keep me abreast of, of developments in the torrent community. And I, and I don't exactly know what happened with extra torrent. Maybe torrent freak has a story up in the past day that I didn't catch, but anyway. Um, so yeah, this is, this is true. Like torrent sites they're I mean, they're really on, on, on the defense right now. They're, I mean, cause they're under attack. Uh, and, and it's pretty crazy. A lot of the shit that's happening. Um, now Usenet, I used to, you know, for, and, even in recent history on sovereign tech, um, I have recommended, you know, okay, well get on Usenet. Usenet is, you know, largely nobody seems to be watching Usenet. There weren't any cases of people getting prosecuted for downloading, you know, with Usenet. Uh, so that's kind of the last bastion in many ways to go to because so many torrent sites are getting shut down. Um, I think so not, but unfortunately, you know, in fact, not even long after I remember the last time that I recommended that, uh, there, there have been cases now where people that were using Usenet were, you know, were getting prosecuted. So Usenet isn't entirely the safest bet either. Now, obviously right out of the gate, you want to be using VPNs and all this stuff. Every time you want to be anonymizing as much as you can, um, every time that you are, you know, doing your torrenting business, you know, whatever that happens to be. Um, there are some sites out there that are still pretty good. Uh, I mean, the Pirate Bay is out there, but I think it's taking on the load from the extratorrent.cc shutdown. So, you know, the Pirate Bay is, eh, you, you know, I mean, it, it's iffy if it's even going to be up. Um, but it's a site that honestly seems like it's never going to go anywhere. You know, it's just its resiliency is remarkable and applaud, applaudable. Absolutely. Um, but there are others that, that you can check out. Uh, I might put some of these in the, in the show notes, uh, but you know, I'll, I'll tell them to you, uh, outright. So like I said, extra torrents gone. Uh, my number one site that I go to is actually worldwide torrents.eu. Um, and this is, this site is the home of NEM 43. Now NEM 43, NEM 43 is kind of the main provider of comic book torrents. Okay. And they, you know, NEM 43, I say they, but well, anyway, they pretty much started the site worldwide torrents. Now worldwide torrents.eu gets, uh, they, I mean, they have porn, they get movies, they get music. They are not, like you said, kind of subpar. Yeah. Other than the comic books, they really are subpar. Like, I mean, you're not going to get everything that, you know, that you've ever wanted, um, on there. So, you know, worldwide torrents.eu that's, that's good for, for getting your hands on comics really. And maybe books just, you know, regular EPUBs or whatever and PDFs. Um, but that's, that's about it. So now demonoid is still out there. And right now the, the URL is demonoid.click that dot click. Uh, and that you don't have to register for or anything. I mean, you can register, but you don't have to, uh, but that's out there. They're doing a pretty good job of providing everything. They're definitely not at the level of extra torrent.cc or at the level of what, um, 
you know, of, of what kick-ass torrents was appreciating, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, they're, they're, they're just not there, you know, and, and that's, that's not a knock. I mean, it, it just is. So, uh, those, those are, you know, a couple of, of hot spots, like I said, and, and the pirate bay, um, kick-ass torrents, like I said, is back. It's a little weird now. And that's at, at katcr.co. So catcr.co. Um, there are some other ones that are worth checking out as well that I'll mention here quickly. Uh, there is, what is it? RAR BG, which is still kind of an active community. Um, and that's just R A R B G dot T O, you know, uh, RAR BG dot T O. Um, then you have, there's a, what is it? Elite X. That's a, that's a popular one too. One three, three, seven X dot T O. So you've, those are, those are kind of like the main ones that I, that I frequent. Um, there's a new meta search engine that took over for torrents.eu, uh, which is torrents two and that's T O R R E N T Z. And then the number two dot EU, um, torrents two dot EU. I mean, that's good because it's a meta search engine, meaning that it searches all the other, um, you know, torrent sites for you. Uh, so that's another, that, that's one you might find useful. Uh, I think it's a, anytime one, one of these meta search engines come out now, I mean, I always feel like it's just a matter of time before they get shut down. So what I'm telling you, you know, the sites I'm telling you about, you know, they, they could be shut down like an hour after you hear this or, or as you're hearing this. I mean, it's just, it's that possible. Um, so yeah, worldwide torrents.eu. I mean, so here's the thing here's, here's in my opinion for the torrent community, kind of the real solution for a lot of this the problem comes from, and maybe this is what most people are interested in. I'm not. The real problem comes from, it doesn't even seem like the RIAA is really, you know, the Record uh, Industry Association of America, whatever. It doesn't even seem like they're hard up. Like you don't really, you don't generally hear many cases of where um, like people for downloading music are getting into any kind of trouble. Because really the music industry is, is trying to, you know, like, like a vampire suck off of the, uh, you know, the, the streaming services. So they're not appreciating the kind of money they were in the past anyway. So they're not, you know, I think with, with music and album torrents and all that, I don't think it's as serious as it used to be because I mean, the sales already aren't what they are. And like, there's no way to really tell how much are we losing due to, you know, due to pirating as compared to, uh, you, you know, because of, because of the streaming services as compared to like with, you know, the movie industry, oh, well, ticket prices are down or something. And that's because people are downloading cams, you know, cam jobs of movies or, or, you know, leaks or early releases or whatever. Um, so it's really, you know, the main problem seems to be with any torrent site, isn't that there's torrents there. It's because of these releases that are in theaters. Um, or that are just coming out on home video or something like that. The movie industry is really, you know, where, where the hammer comes down on these torrent sites, uh, for myself, you know, that, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Like, I mean, I, you know, anytime, and then I'm just going to say, I'm speaking in the, uh, the hypothetical theoretical realm of some kind of alternate version of Brian sovereign that would torrent. Um, I don't, I don't give a shit. Like I really don't care about movies. I don't care you know, about any of that. And like even TV shows, most people aren't going after TV shows. I mean, now when TV shows are getting torrented, like, like you know, we've seen the, you know, the entertainment industry ignore, you know, threats of new episodes coming out and all this. I mean, there was the, there was that Netflix 
uh, situation that went down that that was that was kind of a different thing that that had to do with uh, they had some show where a few of the episodes got released. But Netflix knew in the end they only got like four episodes of this new season of some show. I forget which one it was uh, that people would have to sign up to, you know, to or their thinking is that people would have to sign up to Netflix to be able to see the rest of them, you know, in the future. Of course, it's not true. You could just torrent apps. I mean, you don't have to have a Netflix account to watch a Netflix show, folks. You know, you know, anybody that torrents, you know, knows this. But it seems that, you know, a lot of the TV industry knows that this whole pirating thing of TV shows is kind of free advertising. It really appears to me that the main area where there's any trouble is with the movie industry. You know, it's with the MPAA and whoever they seem to be the, you know, the people, like I said, that bring down the hammer. Um, so in my opinion, really the thing to do here is like make special, like specialist torrent sites. And these already sort of exist, but like, let's take this a little more seriously. Like I said, worldwidetorrents.eu. Okay. Now, yeah, they have a little bit of everything, but their main bread and butter is, you know, NEM 43's comic book releases every Wednesday, right? So, but I think worldwidetorrents.eu will always be small because that's mainly what it does. You know, now they may have had goals in the past, especially when it first started, say we're going to be the next, uh, you know, kick-ass torrents or the next extra torrent.cc or whatever. Uh, but maybe they've backed off of that idea because they know that no, actually staying small is what allows you to kind of survive. And if you're sort of a one trick pony, you know, you can really do well off of that. Maybe even once a week, right. You know, that being with the comic books or something, not to say that they're not going to become more than that. I mean, that that's still a possibility. I'm not sharing any kind of inside information. Um, you know, but I think other sites might want to do that. Like maybe like Lete X could, you know, could become just like mainly for music or something, you know, because then, then, you know, they only have to point, you know, if there's just one site that's mainly for, for movies, say, you know, the whole torrent community doesn't crash when you kind of decentralize, not, I mean, torrenting sort of decentralized anyway, but when you decentralize, like who handles what aspect of entertainment, again, there's already plenty of sites that already do this sort of thing. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that's really the way to go. It's when you create these giant central hubs that, that the trouble really starts. Um, which is what extratorrent.cc became, you know, and which Kickass Torrents was, which Mininova was, which, you know, go down the list of, of all the ones of the past. Um, again, the Pirate Bay has been able to hold on, but, you know, seemingly just barely. I mean, they're, you know, it's the site is down so often. It's it's really, uh, I mean, I, I love them. You know, I don't want, don't want to misconstrue what I'm saying here, but, oh, you know, it's such a pain. So, I mean, is it worth it for what you get from it? Of course, right. But Anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I think, you know, that's it. I mean, maybe just as, as a person that, that gets torrents, this is sort of the direction you want to go where you want to, you know, have a site that handles this aspect of what you want to, you know, get your hands on what you want to download. Uh, and then you have a separate site that does this, like this site does music. This does, this site does comics for you. This site does, I don't know, you know, fan, um, fan films or, or, you know, fan edits for you or, you know, whatever the, the case may be. That's kind of the direction I think that, that torrenting really needs to take. Um, and, and it's sort of, like I said, it sort of already is there, but anyway, I gave you a list of some sites that you can, you can take advantage of. Um, I don't think torrenting is ever going to go away. I don't think it's ever going to be in like in real, real trouble. Definitely, you know, hammering hard on people, you know, for, for being in on it. But, but let's be clear here that it's really only one aspect. It's the movies. That seems to be the only thing people give a shit about, uh, is the movies. And so my point being is that if you want to torrent anything other than movies, 
you know, I'm not saying be laissez-faire about it. You want to be as cautious as possible at all times, you know, have your VPN on, you know, do, do all the, all the business. Okay. Um, but I don't think you have so much to sweat about. And I think sites that concentrate away from movies also don't have so much to worry about. So yeah, you, you know, I and I don't, you know, I don't exactly know why that is. I mean, the comic book industry, it's not like, I mean, Marvel's owned by Disney. They've got all the money in the world to go after, you know, people for, for doing that. But I, I think some of that, well, first off, the hard part is that it's tough when, when files are only a few meg, like comic books are, or if it's like EPUBs where it's a few kilobytes, it's tough to tell through the metadata and through certain types of traffic what exactly is being downloaded. It's not like with movies where people are downloading into, you know, usually a gig or more, you know, or a multitude of gigs or something. So it's a lot easier to kind of track and hunt down uh, as to where I think with other aspects, and this also speaks for the music industry, it's, a, or, you know, for, for like music that you download, it's a lot tougher to, to see what exactly, you know, or to track, um, you know, what exactly is being downloaded and all that. But anyway, we don't need to talk about that much anymore. Um, let's get into something really fucking controversial. Like, let's get into really controversial. So this is a question that I got um, the other day. So on social media, I've been doing this thing called Dear Mises Institute. Now, obviously, that's in reference to or maybe it's not obvious. That's in reference to Dear White People, uh, which is a show that I will review um, in the future. And the Dear Mises Institute series, what I've been doing is, I mean, and they're just short posts where I will find I'll go to the Mises Institute's website, Mises.org. There they got a plug. Um, and I will like find just a ridiculous blog or article that they write up on there. I mean, and there's plenty to go through throughout their history. That would be easy. But then whenever I would share it, because I'll, I'll make my, you know, my retort, you know, to the post and then, um, you know, underneath it, I'll put what, what my retort, you know, what, what my post is, is about, which post am I responding to from the Mises Institute? Uh, now the reason that I do this is mainly there's just, there's people that I want to piss off online, um, that, you know, that, that I think are just ridiculous pedantic. And I, I just, I have, I have fun with it, uh, you know, with, with these guys that, that, and they're guys, um, <laughs> that nobody really should be listening to, but based upon the social signals I see for some reason people do, uh, baffles me, but Hey, whatever. So I'm not, I'm not trolling because I'm not taking an opposite position that I don't believe. I actually believe largely what I'm saying. Uh, but I really am fucking with people. So, and in fact, actually there is, uh, a woman who works for the Mises Institute that she, she knows, like she kind of winks at me and, and she's even like the Mises Institute's PR person. And she's just like, yeah, you know, I get it. And she's, she's totally cool with the fact that I, that I rip on, you know, her, her employer, uh, often. So anyway, credit to her for, you know, being such a good sport and, and getting it. So, yeah, so I do these Dear Mises Institute posts. Um, and I did one the other day that, you know, where I pretty much said, I was like, look, you know, there's no re public property can exist without governments and without communal decree, like public property can just naturally occur. Um, just like one could argue perhaps that private property could, you know, would naturally occur. Um, in fact, that was kind of the point is that this article was sort of claiming everything's private property, but what you want to do with that private property is really up to you. And I'm like, no, 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 you can have just straight public property. Um, uh, there, there's no need for everything to be private, but just some group says, Oh no, this is public. You know, it, it can, public property is my point is, is, you know, can just naturally, uh, kind of crop up. And I had a person email me saying, Whoa, what do you mean? What, what the hell do you mean by that? Like, like, 
how, how is this even possible? You know, and they didn't really get into an argument with me. They were just asking like, well, what do you mean by this? How is it possible that there is, you know, public property? Um, and, and why is that even, you know, beneficial and things like this? So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do like a, a huge breakdown of how exactly this works. Uh, but I'll just spend a little time, just give you a brief, you know, synopsis of why exactly I think that that's possible. Um, I'm not saying that it would happen, you know, say we're in anarchist paradise and no more governments, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that public property would, would, you know, would certainly occur. I'm just saying that within people's concepts of what property is, it could occur. Now, before I go any further, yes. Okay. I, you know, I fully embrace my egoist anarchist roots and, you know, I, I take on, as Sterner said, you know, I, I forever, you know, I do not see your property. I will, I will forever see it as my property, meaning that, oh boy, that's a whole other conversation in itself. And I'm just not going to go that far. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, that, that's for maybe after we talk about this, we could talk about that. Um, Max Sterner, of course, had, you know, made it very clear that you don't want to have a hard dogma on property because that could become its own form of tyranny, which I agree with. And I've said many times on sovereign tech over the years, that's not anything new for me. Um, so the reason public property can, can, you know, kind of occur on its own, there's a great, it's a classic. And I mean, it comes from a, uh, from a classic book, uh, analogy of how exact now, you know, proof from proof from analogy isn't proof. Uh, but we can see I think this is a little more an analogy, more than an analogy, because it directly relates to exactly what, um, you know, what, what pu public property would look like in a, shall we say, freed market system. Um, so it, it's not just an analogy because I'm not like comparing it to something to try and make sense of something that is, isn't exactly related. Um, this is directly, you know, what, what could occur. So, um, and it's, it's from, it's from in defense of public space. And here I'll, I'll just read it quick quote, consider a village near a lake. It is common for the villagers to walk down to the lake to go fishing in the early days of the community. It's hard to get to the lake because of all the brushes and fallen branches in the way. But over time, the way is cleared and a path forms not through any centrally coordinated effort, but simply as a result of all the individuals walking that way day after day. Okay. So let me stop here for a second. So let's, you know, set the scene. You've got effectively a fishing hole or a watering hole or whatever, you know, whatever it takes for you to, I mean, water alone makes it a resource. Okay. But you have a little lake behind this group. So this group of houses, all right. The people to get to this lake, maybe they even surround it. Who the hell knows? You know, maybe it's like a circle around this lake, right? Uh, that happens all the time. But to get to this lake, you know, it's all, there's a bunch of brush and everything. And everybody is independently kind of clearing their backyard to get to this lake. Okay. Let's read on. The cleared path is the product of labor, not any individual's labor, but of all of them together. If one villager decided to take advantage of the now created path by setting up a gate and charging tolls, he would be violating the collective property right that the villagers together have earned. Public property can also be the product of gift. Uh, well, all right. So that that's, that's breaking down into another one, but let me stop there. And then I'll read the kind of the second sort of second example from uh, in defense of public space. So do you see how this works? Is that like, there's no way for one person to claim, um, that, that, 
you know, th- this was mixed in. What was this? Cause like property existed in two parts, right? There, are at least the Lockean idea of property uh, of private property exists in two parts. Uh, you have the kind of the incorporation principle and the respect principle. Okay. Incorporation principle means that you did work, uh, you know, your labor mix mixes in with this external thing. Okay. In this case, perhaps the path, you know, that, that would get, that would get to the lake. Okay. Which then, you know, is the access point to a resource, which could, you know, potentially make it part of the resource. And so, yeah, uh, like you can't, you can't claim this through the Lockean concept of private property. Now, if you have some other, you know, way of thinking of private property, okay, fine. But, you know, let's talk under what most people consider private property to be, which again is based off of what was that second treatise of government or whatever, uh, by John Locke, this, this incredibly small book, nowhere near the largest thing he ever wrote in his life. And, and so much is based off of that. Unbelievable. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, so yeah, so it, it becomes, you know, if you're going to respect, you know, what other people have done, you know, the respect principle. I mean, that's a very basic explanation of the respect principle. And then you have the incorporation principle, which is the mixture of labor, you know, with some external, uh, you know, object. Um, then yeah, guess what folks? I mean, like this is effectively public because no one person could really lay claim, you know, to, to, to get to it. So this is why public property can, you know, can exist. Uh, you know, and, and there's no communal decree. I mean, it's just, if people are on board, if, if people, you know, if this is libertarian paradise, okay. Or if this is anarchist paradise or something and people just, you know, naturally respect or not naturally, but people have come to respect, okay. The concept of private property of other people's, you know, of, of products of people's labor, blah, 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 blah. You know, all, of it, all the check boxes for Rothbard. Okay. Then guess what? You can end up with something that is not communal decree that does not come from some kind of organization that is just quite simply an outcropping of a bunch of people going in their backyard and it becomes a public, you know, public property and largely a public resource. Okay. Now I want to read the second part here, but then I want to break down a little bit more because somebody's going to mention something about malls. I'm sure. Uh, so, okay. So public reading here, quote, public property can also be a product, uh, be the product of gift in 19th century England. It was common for roads to be built privately and then donated to the public for free use. This was done not out of altruism, but because the road builders owned land and businesses alongside the site of the new road. And they knew that having a road there would increase the value of their land and attract more customers to their businesses. Now you could say, well, but this is because it was private property. They developed it. And now they're, they're just kind of letting it go. Really? They still kind of own it. No, 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 no. It's a gift. It's being given away. You know, they're not going to maintain it anymore. They're not going to spend their money on it anymore. They're just going to have it and let it be. And yeah, you know, one would argue that somewhat spontaneously, perhaps it would get taken care of. Now, usually the critique that comes up for this sort of thing, whenever somebody brings up this, this idea for how you could have, um, you know, public property in a world that maybe centers itself around the, you know, the notion of private property. Usually you bring up, uh, the mall where the idea is, is that statistically it's safer to walk around in a mall than it is on a public road or, you know, a road, you know, whatever, you know, who would build the roads, that kind of road. Okay. It's safer to be in a mall than on the streets. And the argument goes is because, well, the mall is private property and you can be a lot more forceful and a lot quicker, uh, on the, on the, I, I don't mean like on a physical trigger. I mean, you know, quicker on the trigger of say kicking out malcontents or bad actors or something along these lines. Okay. So, uh, so there's the proof that you want everything to be privatized because on private property, it's far, you know, and 
somebody's going to say he's making a straw man. Oh, well then give me your fucking example. Okay. I'm not mad at you. Just it, it really, it gets a little annoying when people are, are kind, you know, when you're bringing up the arguments that people bring up and then, but you know, everybody just says straw man, whenever you you happen to, to maybe, uh, uh, you know, beat out their argument for some reason. But anyway, so, you know, that, that's sort of, that's, that's sort of the claim that gets made. Uh, but understand that you're basing this, this notion that, well, you know, the mall is, you know, the totally privatized system is preferable, you know, that the mall is preferable to public roads. But here's the thing is that, you know, people are different. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like people are very different. Like you have people that don't want to agree to perhaps like say, okay, say everything, say this lake, like let, let's go back to the fishing hole or something. Right. Let's say it was privately owned. Say they wanted to, to make it so that, okay, well, everybody has to wear uh, clothes here, right? This isn't going to be a nudist beach uh, whatsoever, you know, then I mean, it, does everybody like things that way? No, of course they don't. Okay. Just like with the mall, you know, not everybody is going to appreciate the laws or the mall's rules. And so they're, you know, they're going to kind of end up somewhere else. And these people that don't appreciate the rules that you have may, you know, somewhat spontaneously or however it ends up shaping up, they're not, they, they're not going to organize because it's against kind of the, the very notion of, yeah, I mean, maybe they're like, you know, kind of hippie types or something like that, which there's nothing wrong with that. Remember Pierce Brosnan that I told you about Pierce Brosnan will tell you he's a fucking hippie. Okay. I mean, even, you know, these people that make tons of money are the classiest guys, you know, perhaps that you think you'd ever meet, you know, could be full on hippies and just these rugged folk, you know, that maybe want to walk around nude or something. You know, they're going to, you know, just their existence alone is going to create uh, these areas like I'm talking about, kind of the, the these public places that everybody can kind of access and they just live with the consequences. Is it safer? Maybe not. But then who the fuck says that that things have to be safer to be preferable? Right. I mean, what's your definition of safety in the first place? You know, some people think safety is not seeing some other guy's cock. Other people don't give a shit. Okay. So, you know, like, like where are the people for the people that don't, or, you know, where are the places for the people that don't give a shit? They're not going to, you know, what, what those places aren't going to come into existence. Are you fucking kidding me? Then the market system is a failure. The market system's a tyranny. If places where this sort of thing is, you know, we're, we're uh, uh, a looser lifestyle, shall we say, you know, can't just like naturally come into existence. It's preposterous. So anyway, now the article that the Mises Institute wrote that I was responding to, you know, sort was really sort of making the claim that, well, a community could choose to like create like a public resource or something like that. And, and I appreciate that the Mises Institute, in fact, this article in some ways was pretty good because it was saying that, no, you know what? Some people, they might create communism under a libertarian, you know, in a libertarian world, but at least, you know, but the point is, is that it has to be voluntary and, and they need to be able to be free to do it. And I was like, well, good. At least you're not being the dicks who are saying, you know, toss the communists off of, out of a fucking helicopter, you know, or at least you're not the one saying, oh, socialism is evil. It's going to wreck this. I mean, at least somebody at the Mises Institute was saying, no, you know what? In a free world, you got to allow people to set this stuff up if they want to do it, as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Good for them for doing, you know, for, for, you know, for going, towing that line you know, and for kind of putting out the olive branch. But my point is, is that public property can exist within the respect principle and the incorporation principle combined can exist without a community deciding that this is going to be public property. It, you know, it, it can, it can just naturally occur or, you know, like, I mean, it, it can occur by happenstance. 
not not through any any thinking, not through any government central planning or or some kind of I don't know what what the fuck are those dispute resolution something I don't know not not without insurance companies coming up with it whoever the hell they are you know which so many of those anytime I hear those arguments I I instantly just just hear tyranny <laughs> you know other people like I I love that it's like well my insurance company will will take care of it how you know what they're just going to give you I hope it just means they're just going to give you the money back if they're going to go after somebody who didn't agree to the insurance company um don't you see a problem there <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I'm not going down that road, but there you go. So th- that's a very basic explanation of why I think public property can happen because th- the very notion of how property even comes into existence or how private property arguably comes into existence or, or comes into acquisition of an individual, um, that same thing, you know, that, that same basis of property can happen through the actions of a multitude of people without plan. You know, without it being planned out, it can just occur. I'm not saying that it will. Maybe it never would, but it's possible. So to say like, oh, you know, no, you know, we don't want any public property, blah, 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 or it won't get taken care of or something like that. Again, it can happen just because it won't happen doesn't mean that it can't. So it can feasibly under our concepts of what private property are. But then also, you know, as far as like, you know, that you don't want it, Okay, you don't want it, but maybe other people do, you know, and maybe just by their own actions. I mean, that's how the market's supposed to work, right? Is that it's it's all based on self-interest and, you know, one person doesn't realize that they're helping create the pencil, right? Who's that Leonard Reed? So anyway, there you go. There, there, there's, there's my point on, on public property. Um, take it or leave it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's, let's see, what else did I have, uh, on, on the agenda here? Oh, I covered, well, I pretty much got to, got to the bulk of it. Um, I'm going to leave you with a review, um, of, of a couple of things that I recently listened to. Uh, I also did, I got another question that was, uh, this past week on Sovereign Tech on the, the prime episode. Um, I reviewed the new alien movie, alien covenant, and I liked it a lot. Of course, you probably heard it, probably heard my review. And some people said, we never really heard you talk about, you know, the alien franchise in general. Um, you know, could you give us a review of that? And I was like, yeah, sure. What the hell? Uh, so, uh, but particularly a couple of people asked what I thought of. So audible is doing, has been doing these things for the past couple of years called audible originals where they are taking books and they are adapting them. They're not usually, or usually they're not unabridged, uh, versions of the book, meaning that it's just a straight read of everything that's in the book is going to be in the audiobook, right? Uh, what Audible's doing is they're creating kind of a, a, you know, audio theater and they're adapting, you know, making little changes here and there, adding in sound effects, doing all this other stuff. They're adapting, um, to where it's something that's uh, shorter and that, uh, you know, is more palatable, you know, to, to the ears. Now I talked about this, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. I talked about this with the star Wars books. Um, that I, you know, I always listen to the audiobooks of Star Wars books because now those are unabridged still, but they add in so much music. They, you know, they have different, uh, uh, uh what's the term, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> different accents for the characters. They try to match the accents of the characters, whether it's a guy or gal, you know, doing the read, um, you know, as, as the voice actor, you know, they add in sound effects and all that stuff, but they're still unabridged. Audible originals are different to where they are, you know, it's really like, like kind of changing things a bit up to where they turn it into a full on, you know, something that again, it's not like you're hearing a book. It's like, you're listening to a classic episode of the shadow, you know, on the radio. Okay. Um, 
And so they've done two for Alien uh, so far. There, there was uh, out of the sh- Alien out of the shadows, and then there was uh, Alien. Um, no, it wasn't Sea of Sorrows. That's the one they didn't do. Oh, River Paint that they did. Uh, these were part of a trilogy that came out in 2014, which was a really, ex- really well done trilogy. I mean, they're they're totally worth reading. Um, the first book is by Tim Laban. That's uh, that's Out of the Shadows. Then there's the second book, uh, which is um, Sea of Sorrows. That's written by James A. Moore. And then uh, uh, Christy, or I'm sorry, Christopher Golden did River of Pain, did Alien River of Pain. That's the third book. Now, this trilogy exists in between the movie Alien from 79 and then Aliens from, was it, 86? And in fact, the first, you know, so spoiler alerts, folks, if you want to listen to these, but I mean, as soon as you read like what, what they're about, you, I'm not spoiling anything here for you, but I mean, I might spoil something. So here we go. Uh, but they were, so the, the first book, um, out of the shadows actually is like a new adventure of Ellen Ripley, which is really cool. I mean, it, it like, it's really fucking cool. <laughs> uh, and in fact, you know, speaking of, of the, like they get full on voice actors or full on actors. Um, the voice actor, uh, Laura Lefkow, she, she plays the part of Ripley in both out of the shadows and river pain. And she's, she sounds great. Like she sounds almost like, uh, Sigourney Weaver. She, she sounds so good. She has great delivery. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really, really cool and hot if, if you're into, uh, Ellen Ripley, because uh, <laughs> again, these are taking place between, um, you know, b- between alien and aliens. Now there's kind of a weird reason why, you know, cause in out of the shadows, Ripley gets woken up. She gets found by this other, you know, kind of a mining rig of sorts and, or not, not a colony rig, but yeah, more of a mining rig. Um, and she has this whole adventure where she deals with another alien right now that, how does that, how is that possible since she's waking up for the first time after what, 57 years or something in the movie aliens? Well, there's a reason that like her, her brain. So here's the spoiler. Her brain gets wiped. I'm, I won't give you the reason why exactly that it happens. It's kind of cheap, but the book's really good. Like, I mean, it's, it's a really, really enjoyable read. Um, I'll talk more about the listen itself uh, in a minute. Um, but it's a good story. I, I really dug it. I, I liked it a lot. Um, and then in the, in this trilogy, it's supposed to go to, um, sea of sorrows after that, which has more to do with the ship that, you know, and, and this, this planet, uh, LV one, seven, eight, that Ripley, or, you know, that the crew that Ripley encounters in the book out of the shadows, um, is originally dealing with blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, and that whole crew, so I don't know why, but they just released River of Pain. River, like I said, River of Pain's the third book. Out of the Shadows is the first book. Sea of Sorrows is the second. They skipped the second book. The only thing, reason I can imagine why is there's really no Ellen, like there's not any real forwarding of the story of Ellen Ripley in it. And so maybe they just wanted like Ripley to be there or they wanted to be more tied, um, you know, to, to the movies themselves. I've heard differing answers on whether or not these are considered canon. I don't mind if they are, they don't do anything that, that interferes. They don't interfere with the alien covenant. Um, well, maybe, maybe sea of sorrows did, maybe that's why they didn't put it out there. But anyway, out of the shadows doesn't interfere with any of the other alien movies. It does a great job of sitting within the canon. It's a standalone adventure. Um, river of pain, the book river of pain is kind of a side story where it's taking place a little bit before and during it shows you what happens at the beginning of aliens, right? Where you remember we're in like Newt's parents, you know, on, on LV four, two, eight, um, where, where they find actually, they end up calling the planet Acheron, which of course, you know, means river of pain uh, in Greek. But 
anyway, on, on, you know, on LV426, you have that colony. It, it gives you a lot of backstory of what happened with that colony, like what that colony was like and what happens, you know, leading up to the events of aliens where that Marine, uh, you know, crew and Ripley and Burke and whoever, you know, end up at LV426. Uh, it's, it's really good. Like it's another one where, you know, the story perfect, you know, like right on. And, and it's a story that's interesting to hear. Um, and there, there's even, there's room for more. Um, I haven't, I don't know if there's been outside of that trilogy, if there's been any like new stories because river of pain ends with, uh, let's just say a, a minor cast of characters that you don't see in the alien universe that could be going into action, doing their own thing. Maybe that's something that's coming. I, you know, I don't, I don't know, or maybe somehow I missed it. The last release for, for the alien, you know, as far as novels go, as far as the written word goes, which is what these, you know, books originally were that became audible originals. Um, they were, it, it was that, it was that, um, not an omnibus, but it was like, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Or you have an editor is an anthology. There it is. It was an anthology, um, which I picked up and is, is actually really good. So that, that was kind of the latest release for it. But, um, so as far as like the, the book trilogy, I, you know, in novel form, I read it years ago and I thought it was great. I loved it then. Um, the audible originals, I think they do a pretty good job. In fact, maybe river of pain is even better, uh, than out of the shadows, even though out of the shadows is kind of the better story because, you sort of know how river of pain is going to end. You know, once you realize that you're on LV four two eight and it's the colony there, you know, what's going to happen. So, you know, it might not be as exciting. Right. And there's plenty of points where, um, you know, where Ripley is, is in it, of course, again, by, by, uh, Laura Lefkow, where, you know, she's just rehashing lines and maybe expanding a little bit on lines that were given in aliens. So, you know, that, that, that doesn't make it any lesser. It's still a very interesting listen. Um, and it gives you, again, gives you some backstory and whatever, and there's no real contradictions there. I mean, you, you know, you could have them be canon in, at least for now, you know, if you want in, in your own head canon. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really dug, uh, you know, both of those. I, the thing is, so, so the, the voice acting was great. In fact, in out of the shadows, uh, Rucker Hauer is one of the voice actors who I love Rucker Hauer. Most people probably remember him for playing Roy Batty in uh, Blade Runner, which is fitting to have him in the alien universe now. Uh, but he's done so many, I mean, Hobo with a Shotgun. I mean, that, that's just a modern movie. He's done so much great shit back in the day. I, I absolutely love Rucker Hauer, uh, including his work on Smallville. I mean, just a just a top-notch uh, actor, real badass, always a great villain. Uh, even though not, well, anyway. I <laughs> yeah, so Rucker Hauer's in the first one. Then in the second book, in River of Pain, Alexander Siddig is in it. And he's playing a, a kind of a villainous, quasi-villainous character. Um, he plays uh, Dr. Reese, I believe was his name. And Alexander Siddig, of course, is, uh, you know, people remember him for his role in Star Trek D Space Nine as Dr. Julian Bashir, uh, one of my favorite characters on D Space Nine. And he just does a just a bang up job. It's really cool to hear him kind of in this universe. And so I, I like them. I thought that they were overall pretty good They're They weigh in both of them. Like, well, each one weighs in at about four hours. So you got about eight hours to listen to, unless you do like I do, where you listen to it 2.3 X and then, you, you know, you have them knocked out in under a couple of hours. Um, yeah. The, the thing is, is that now I understand they don't have to play by the same rules I do. They're looking to make money off of doing this. So they have to create, they have to either pay for a license or they have to create their own music and their own sounds and all this different stuff. Right. Me, when I do an audio theater production, like when I do Soviet tech and all this, you know, I'm not hindered by any of that because I'm not making money off of, um, 
you know, off of these things. So, you know, I don't really like, there's no real legal case to bring to bear on, on me. Uh, you know, I fall very much under fair use. And so I get it that they can't, you know, like use a lot of great music and a lot of great stuff like I do, but honestly, I mean, the acting's not bad. Certainly, you know, Rucker Howard, Alexander Hittig, uh, Siddig, and, and, and like I said, uh, uh, Laura Lafkow, Lafkow, you know, doing, doing Ripley, uh, they're top notch, but some of the acting I think is a little stiff. And some of the way that they present stories and sort of the lack of sound effects. I mean, I know I, I kind of do overkill when I, when I do a, a fictional an audio theater production, like, I, I mean, you should see my audacity files. Like, I mean, I have so many tracks running cause I have so many little sounds going on in the background, but I notice it. Like when I don't hear those things and what's going on, uh, you know, with, with these, you know, with these audible originals, um, I, I kind of think there's subpar audio theater. Like I, I think better audio theater was done in the thirties and forties. Granted it was a, you know, a premier form of entertainment at the time as to where this is not, uh, you know, perhaps, but yeah, little, little lackluster in production. You know, some of the acting's great. The stories are fucking awesome. Like they're great. They're genuinely great stories. Um, but I think the overall production, they could, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. Maybe the average person is a little more impressed, you know, when they, when they hear it. But just knowing what what can be done with an audio production, I I found them to be very, very lackluster in in that regard. But if you're just wanting to, you know, integrate the stories and enjoy a good story. Yeah, I think it's better than because some of them, I think like out of the shadows, you can actually get an audiobook format where it's unabridged. Uh, I really enjoy the Audible original version because it's shorter, you know, uh, and uh, because, you know, there's a there's a little more life to it than just an unabridged production. you know, I, I, I like it. So I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying I know how great they can be. And they're not, not that the story's bad story is phenomenal. Okay. But the, the, just the overall production, in fact, I, you know, speaking of social media posts I made, I mean, I made one where I said, look, you know, I make, I make audible originals, you know, sound like something done by a second grader. And I do, uh, I don't mean to sound braggadocious. I'm just saying, I know the quality of my work. I know how much effort I put into my work. Um, I know how much is there. Uh, and I'm not saying that like acting is hundred percent great, you know, on my productions, but I just know the production level is, is significantly higher. Uh, and so I'm a little disappointed in that with, with the audible originals. Now I'm not knocking audible because I think audible is phenomenal. Like I think audible is one of these kind of content universes, sort of like Netflix. In fact, it's the only thing that might best Netflix as far as what's there. If audible would now audible has some of its own podcasts, in fact, I want, I want to wrap this up. I'm already like I'm an hour and 10 minutes in. Um, if Audible had like took podcasts a lot more seriously, they have some of their own podcasts. Uh, but a lot of them are very short. They're like five, 10 minutes, you know, and, and I'm not saying people aren't interested in that. Certainly they are. But if, if they really went hard on like we're going to make or we're going to at least produce or or uh, put out, you know, be the distributor for some really high end podcasts. Um, I mean, I think just about any network, what, no matter the, the venue, the genre, the type of media, you know, TV, whatever, I think audible would give anybody a run for their money. Like, I, I think they'd give Netflix a run for their money. Um, they already cost more than Netflix does, uh, which is interesting in, you know, in itself. Um, but audible has just got such a great thing going for itself. I mean, it, it is, it's really remarkable to look at. I love my audible subscription. It is so precious to me. Uh, the amount of, you know, and, and all the great content that you can get in these audible originals, not even just the audible originals, like those don't impress me much, but the kind of special editions that they do of unabridged works, like they did, a, a they, they recently redid 
um, The Handmaid's Tale. They did like an Audible special edition of that. It's great. I mean, it's genuinely great. It is the way to experience that story. Not even the TV show, even though I don't have a problem with the TV show. Uh, I mean, you know, Margaret Atwood's work, you know, I mean, everything's, all of it's a classic. Um, I, you know, I read, I remember, I read The Handmaid's Tale, oof, might've been like 2000, it was so long ago. <laughs> so anyway, it was really enjoyable, you know, like like taking it in through the uh, Audible special edition. But they do that for a few other books. Um, they have that X-Files thing coming out uh, in June. That is really exciting. Like it was kind of made, it's an audible original story. It's made for audible. Uh, and they have, you know, they've got, um, <laughs> well, it's terrible that the names, you know, oh, Jillian Anderson. Right. And they have, uh, why the hell can I think of David Duchovny? Jesus. Uh, they have, they have both, sorry, Satan. Um, they have both of those, you know, coming on board. So that's going to be really, really cool, you know, to hear that, uh, at the end of the month, and then throughout the following month, I think they redid, or they're at least distributing, redone versions of all of Carl Sagan's books, which I want to get my hands on. In fact, the book Cosmos, uh, the voice actors they got for it, they got LeVar Burton. Uh, I mean, just tons of great people. I mean, like, this is really like a ma- an amazing way to take things in. Audible is such an incredible little content universe. It's not even little, but it's such an incredible content universe. And I love the fact I think the reason that Audible is really so successful, this isn't an advertisement for Audible. I wouldn't make any money if you did, uh, you know, if you started getting one. But they started off as a science fiction. Like, they, all they wanted to do was make audiobooks of science fiction classics. And so I think this was made by, you know, what, what could effectively be termed a bunch of futurists. And that's why it seems so ahead of the game. And I think that's why it ended up. I mean, yeah, I got bought up by Amazon. That makes you successful, too. But it was already a success because these are, you know, really forward thinking people. And I think it shows uh, it's it's such a cool like that's one of my most precious accounts, you know, <laughs> my Audible account, you know, my GOG account, you know, GOG dot com. Uh, and I guess my Steam account, you know, I've literally, I don't know what, 11, 12, 1300 games. I don't know how many games I have now. Uh, but those, you know, th- those are like my, my major accounts that I would never want to lose access to. Uh, but yeah, it's just amazing what you can get with audible. So anyway, uh, enough of that. Yeah. So the alien series, uh, boy, I didn't get into more depth of, of the alien series. I-, I guess I'll say quickly, um, this will be another ranking like I did with James Bond earlier. <laughs> uh, I'll say quickly that as far as like my favorite movies, aliens is, you know, the second, the sequel, you know, the James Cameron one aliens is definitely my favorite, uh, movie alien obviously is number two. I mean, and, and I don't begrudge anybody for having alien be in their number one and aliens number two. Uh, in fact, that seems to be the universal, like, I don't know anybody that puts one of the, either of those outside of one or two, you know, uh, alien three. I, I think alien three is a shit movie. Um, by comparison, you know, it's such a depressing film. I saw it when I was a teenager. I really almost never feel or like a preteen more. Um, I really never feel the desire to watch it again. Um, I saw Alien Resurrection in theaters. A little bit better of a movie because just because it's cool to see, you know, Ripley kicking ass. Um, there's some really cool aspects of Alien Resurrection. Uh, kind of like the hybrid human xenomorph is just a badass character. Uh, so I, I, I dig Alien Resurrection. In fact, I saw, it's funny, I was watching um, one of the rare YouTube channels that I ever watched, that's Cinemassacre with, uh, you know, the angry video game nerd. Uh, But James, of course, the angry video game nerd, he did kind of a breakdown. And it was amazing to hear, he and I are close to the same age. It was amazing to hear, like, how similar we felt about it. 
Like there's, I don't know, that generation just experienced these movies this way. I mean, same thing. He saw Alien 3 on TV and thought it was just a depressing film. Never wanted to watch it again. Um, Alien Resurrection, same thing. He's like, yeah, the action was good. Seeing Sigourney Weaver doing, you know, doing the business was good. Uh, and that the, the, the human xenomorph hybrid was like this incredible creature. And I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, we really had like kind of the same assessment. It was really funny to, to kind of hear that. Uh, so I put Alien Resurrection probably at number four. Uh, alien covenant, I easily, or no, I, I put alien resurrection at number five. Um, you know, I put Prometheus and alien covenant underneath alien and aliens, as far as, you know, productions within that universe, uh, the comic books, boy, I could talk about those forever. I've been reading the alien comic books since the nineties. Um, I've been such a big fan of that. I mean, like from the first time they took on judge dread and I found out they even had a comic book. I was like, Oh, give me all of them. You know, <laughs> there's so many, so many great moments with that. And some of the huge crossovers like back in the day with top cow, where they would cross over Witchblade and the darkness and all that. I mean, just awesome, awesome, uh, stuff and such an awesome universe that, that is so huge. And really what dark horse has been dark horse comics has been doing lately with, uh, the alien universe, like with fire and stone and Prometheus and all that has, has been, you know, incredible work. There's a lot to like there, uh, and a lot to take in. And, and I think the, I think fire and stone might be considered canon. So anyway, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of the alien universe. Uh, definitely aliens is at my top alien is, is, is number two. I might've talked about this on the sovereign tech prime episode, but anyway, there you go. There's so much to love because somehow that, I mean, there's so much to say about the alien universe and about the xenomorph itself. Like I really think the xenomorph kind of touches on something very primal with humans, you know, I mean with like real people like us, you know, that watch it in action and all that and kind of how it's been presented and everything. There's, there's a whole lot to say on that. Cause I, I, I think there, there is a real, there's an odd attraction to it. That is, that kind of gets touched on in the movies themselves, but that's a little something more when it's done right. Like it is with alien and aliens and, you know, maybe some other, other, you know, forms of the media. So anyway, there you go. Yeah. If you want to check them out, the, you know, river, river of pain and out of the shadows, alien river of pain, alien out of the shadows. I thought that they were both, uh, you, you know, for what they are, the audio, the audible originals. I mean, it's, it's a great way to experience them. I just, I really think the production level could have been significantly higher. And especially if audible's really stamping their name on it, boy, it should have been, and it could have been, and, and, and it wouldn't have been that hard. I mean, what I know what I can do inside of a week, I'm sure these people had more than a week to put this stuff together. I mean, they just, I can't imagine not. So, I mean, cause they have actual paychecks to give out as to where everything I do is volunteer. <laughs> so Anyway, uh, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe that's just the art of the passion project. I don't know. Uh, or the byproduct of the passion project is that, you know, it just turns out that good, whatever. I, I feel like I'm, I'm just tooting my own horn here and, and no need to do that unless I'm going to fart. So whew, I will <laughs> enough of that. Uh, I might have some other content coming out this week. Uh, like I said, the keep your eye out for the hangouts, the live hangouts, Q and A's. Those are going to be happening in the next few days. We're going to have two of them. Uh, so, you know, I want to make it good with you for, for, cause we missed the one in April. We kind of had one, but it wasn't like, official. so there you go. All new sovereign tech coming out this week. Of course, in fact, got a doozy. I already got some great stories lined up that I, I can't wait to talk to you about. I will see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com 
That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love and love is not subject to law. So please share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution. Thank you.